Conrad Alert. Civil defense information will be broadcast at 640. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Y2K. How can we prepare? Stop a few of their machines and radios. Throw them into darkness for a few hours. We are fighting for our lives. My family must survive. Boom. For five years. Thousand gallons of gas. Air filtration. Water filtration. Coming at you from the frozen tundra that is East Central Alberta, Canada. Streaming live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Rumble, and Odyssey. Welcome back to the workshop where we create community, find freedom, promote preparedness, and share success. I'm Toolman Tim. Today is April the 12th, 2023. And this is episode 289 of the workshop podcast. We got an extra special guest at an extra special time, so we're going to forego the normal niceties, and we're going to bring him right on. Hey, John Bush, how are you, brother? I'm great. How are you? Not bad at all. I'm going to guess the weather's a little warmer where you are than where I am. Yeah, it's nice. I don't know. It's like 80 degrees or so. It's absolutely oh, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. We we joke around here about freedom units, but I, I uh, Fahrenheit always sounds better than Celsius. You know, oh, so I appreciate it. <laughs> Well, thanks for coming on. I've managed to say hello to you and shake your hand in passing at Self-Reliance Festival. So we, you know, I actually said hello to you once, so we did good there. But I always wanted to get you on to sit down and something we do here. I, of course, you know, it's preparedness, entrepreneurship, living free. But I love, there's nothing I love better than hearing people share their entrepreneurial journey. To me, that that makes me smile. It gets me out of bed in the morning. So I appreciate that. But so... Tell me, who is John Bush? Where did you start? We have a tradition here in the workshop. Uh, make sure you tell us what your first job was in high school, because that that's the dirt. I love hearing that. So Okay. Yeah. My first gig was uh, working at Best Buy in the home uh-huh. theater department. Yeah. So I was there for about three and a half years and learned a lot about electronics and home theater and, and all the... I was there when HD TVs came out. They used to be giant projector screens in this massive housing uh, and then I remember when we got the first plasma, it was like $10,000 and some great technological innovation everyone was so excited about. But yeah, I'm here from, I hail from Central Texas, was born and raised in Austin, um, got out of the city uh, a couple of years ago, moved to the country, Bastrop County. We have a 10 acre homestead. Uh, my wife and I live there, uh, the two kiddos. We have chickens, we have some wicking bed gardens. We have uh, three community members that are living on the property with us got started in activism questioning the official narrative of 9-11 what took place there that led me down a rabbit hole of conspiracies and uh, understanding this whole quest for global governance and then in 2007 2008 i learned about ron paul and became very fond of the philosophy of liberty and shortly after that learned about murray rothbard and agorism and samuel edward conkin did a lot of political activism and actually had some successes with the political activism, but ultimately I wasn't satisfied because we were simply slowing the growth of tyranny, not creating real freedom. And that led me to explore alternative institutions, um, silver dimes, growing your own food, getting people together to support one another outside of the system. Um, Did some, I've been self-employed since 2009. So I guess that's 13, 14 years that I haven't had a normal, quote unquote, normal job. And in, in all honesty, for a large majority of those 13 years, I was struggling financially and very poor, which was easy without kids, but very much a challenge with kids. Um, this is one of my lasting companies, Bray Botanicals. We sell Kratom, um, 
CBD, Delta-8, THC, lots of natural plant medicines that help people with various things. And then more recently, I started Live Free Academy to help people in their journey towards greater freedom, prosperity, and uh, to help people build community. And it's really Live Free Academy that I've managed to find much greater success with, but it's been a long and arduous journey. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I wouldn't trade it for the world, but entrepreneurship is definitely not for the faint of heart. So to, what happened in 2009 to get you to make that jump? You said you've been self-employed since, and it was a, a rough and ragged road at times. What, what was the, what, why did you jump? Where, where did that start? Well, uh, I guess my last real mainstream job was working as a teller in the drive-through line at a credit union. Nice. The credit union that my dad used, that I used, and uh, he, he was able to give me a job there. And before that, I was selling cars, selling used oh. Hondas. And before that, I sold Nissans at South Point Nissan in Austin. So I've always had a background in sales. But I think I was distracted the whole time because I was involved in political activism in Central Texas. And I, you know, I was somewhat successful with the sales stuff. Um, and of course, the part-time teller thing was an hourly job. Although when they gave me a bonus for getting people to set appointments with the financial advisor, I definitely took advantage of that and just blew them away. I think they had to end the program because they were paying me so much money. I love but, it. Uh, it was really just being distracted <laughs> with politics. And ultimately, I, I had an opportunity to work on a uh, ballot measure that would have prevented the city of Austin from subsidizing retail developments. It was called stop domain subsidies. The developers yeah. totally control the city, but I was just distracted all the time. And I got that opportunity. I said, you know what? I'm going to lean into political activism. I'm going to get paid to do political activism. And that really was the transition point. I, um, I always try to go back and watch at least one or two interviews before I have a guest on just to, I, I like to be surprised, but I also, I like to know a little bit about you guys. You know what I mean? So that, I, <laughs> so you talked about, being poor in poverty. And my wife and I talk about that a lot, how that's where our journey went from abject poverty, which is a great friggin' motivator to entrepreneurship, which is incredible for freedom. And you mentioned at one time how you didn't, uh, how you didn't want to be rich or you didn't want to have money because I, I, now if I'm putting words in your mouth, stop me, please. But it was something along the lines of you didn't want to be like the big wigs or you didn't want to be like those fellers. How, how, how easy is it to get stuck in that poverty mindset? Yeah, well, I think what you're referring to is I didn't want to make a lot of money because I didn't want to pay the IRS because I was so vehemently opposed to the federal government and their yes. wars and the police state and stuff. So I, I deliberately wanted to stay small. Not that I was in a position where I could have made a bunch of money <laughs> if I just snapped my fingers or anything anyway. But uh, it was definitely the mindset is a, is a big limiter. And I often refer to it as a, as a governor, you know, Back yeah. when I was in high school, me and my buddies would drive our cars like total jerks. And my buddy had a GMC Yukon and it would only go up to 100 miles an hour. And so we'd be flooring it all drunk, total fools and idiots. It's a wonder that I survived those days. But, you know, <laughs> you get to a certain speed and all of a sudden you can't go any further. Well, most people have their own internal governors that come in the form of limiting beliefs and your mindset most definitely is a leading indicator to the success that you experience in your life. So having that mindset of not wanting to be rich, not wanting to make a lot of money, of course, it's only natural that I didn't. And I guess the big shift for me, again, was having experienced poverty 
uh, getting the electricity turned off on our apartment, not having very much food in the kitchen cabinet, and then ultimately getting kicked out of the apartment because we were so far behind on rent, moving into a busted converted school bus with two kids and my ex-wife. It was most definitely a struggle. And it was through that poverty that I realized I never want my children to live like that again, if I have anything to do with it. And so that was really a giant motivator that pushed me to take massive action and find greater financial success. So I can do things like, you know, rent out a big suite and bring all the kids friends to the indoor water park. And even though yes. it's you know pretty expensive, that's, that's my why to be able to provide amazing experiences for my family. Uh, among other things, but it's it's definitely the mindset that leads whether you're going to find success or not. That why drives you, absolutely. Yeah. That, yeah, that's something I, I I love hearing that. And I'm I don't even know when I heard you tell this story ages ago, but um, you took a so okay. I, I want um, we'll focus mostly on entrepreneurship today, but there's so much I want to talk to you about. But anyway, because I know you you love intentional. We can do it again. I know we will. Yeah, yeah. I know you love intentional community. I know you love crypto, but I got to hear about your crypto, your Bitcoin road trip. Was that like frigging 10 years ago now? Uh, 2014. Yeah, about nine yeah. years ago. Okay. Which was... 2014, 2015. We did three or four of them. And so okay. we uh, early on, I, l I learned about Bitcoin in 2011, 2012. But here's a great lesson and something that stuck with me. A friend of mine was like, hey, John, you guys heard about this Bitcoin thing. You know, you can you can mine Bitcoin on your laptop. This is back when you didn't have to have <laughs> yes. a basic computer. And he's yep. like, you can mine Bitcoin. And, you know, every 10 minutes, if you if you solve a block, you get 50 Bitcoin. And, you know, I was like, OK, something I'm hearing in the outskirts of our liberty movement and it seems like kind of like a computer geek type thing. I, you know, I, I, I don't really understand it. And so what I told my buddy was, hey, you know, I'm going to do some more research. Uh, I don't want to do anything right now. I need to better understand it first. And of course, life happens, get busy, don't actually do the research. And then years pass or at least a year or two passes and I missed on an incredible opportunity. So the big lesson is always to have at least a little bit of extra bandwidth so you can take a new opportunity when it presents itself. Don't allow yourself to be so bogged down and overwhelmed with tasks and minutia that when opportunity comes knocking, you don't even hear the call. You can't open the door because you don't even hear it. Or if you hear the door, you're not able to get over there because you're just dragging all of this activity along with you. So, uh, you know, then I started to learn more about Bitcoin. It became a little bit more prominent 2012 or so. And as a libertarian anarchist, voluntarist, I thought that this was our hope to end the Federal Reserve. Come to find out the Federal Reserve and these central banks are so cunning that now they're leveraging digital currency technology for their CBDCs. But nonetheless, we continue on. But yeah, so we wanted to I shared that we got kicked out of the apartment. We moved into this converted school bus and I had a love hate relationship with this school bus. And it's very uh, illustrative of, of mindset. So on the one sure. hand, I, if just but based on the way that I thought I could enjoy this bus and say, wow, we got a great opportunity. I get to be close with my family. We own a home. We don't have to pay any rent. We own our own home, not to mention we can travel all around the country. Or, and then when I, when I think that way, I'm like, this is great. This is an amazing bus. I feel pleasant here and happy. But on the flip side, it's like, what kind of father am I? My kids are living in this broken down school bus. It's rusted out. We're slowly but surely building it. It's no appropriate living conditions for children. I'm a terrible father, right? And then the bus is like a prison. I had that constant struggle, but it taught me a lot about the power of the mind. But nonetheless, we were like, so why don't we, we have this bus, 
let's call it the Bitcoin bus. And let's oh. go drive around on road trips using Bitcoin only, stopping through different cities to do meetups and teach people about Bitcoin. And then stopping every opportunity we get to visit one of these restaurants or a gas station or a retail store that accepts Bitcoin and let's document it. So we did that three or four times. Uh, the last time we got a bunch of sponsors and helped us to build out the bus. So it was a little more nice with hardwood floors and some nice, you know, utilities and stuff in it. Um, so that was the experience. Yeah, it was definitely a much more difficult task to use Bitcoin only back then. Not to say that it's easy today, but I really think that we were kind of paving the way and helping to spread the gospel of Bitcoin and also demonstrating to the Bitcoin industry where some of those weak points were in the transition towards yeah. using Bitcoin more as a mainstream currency. So you said when you were living in the bus, and I, I can get that, like um, there were times when the old inner voice said, you know, this is great. And then other times the inner voice said, this is friggin' horrible. This is awful. How, how does one, how, how does one harness that inner voice? What do you do? Because that, that can be for an entrepreneur, you know, it's always beating you down, right? Or I shouldn't say always, but there is that, you know, oh, it's all going to collapse or it's all going to, I'm doing shit. I'm, I'm awful. Like how, how do you harness that? Well, a lot of it has to do with mindfulness. So there was a period, and I'm a big fan of this concept of anti-fragility, and sometimes sure. just understanding a concept can help with the application of the concept. So, you know, to be anti-fragile is to take hardship, struggle, adversity, and to leverage it towards success and growth. Uh, on the, to contrast that, you have people that are like victims and there's adversity and stress in their lives and it, it just buries them and it manifests in more stress, grief, doubt, disbelief in themselves. And so I very much have been anti-fragile and become especially more anti-fragile. And, you know, a lot of this was coinciding with living in poverty. And of course, poverty is very hard on a marriage. And so as I'm struggling financially, my marriage is in decline. I'm like lashing out as a father, anger, so much conflict with their mother and I. And it was like, it forced me to like, take a reality check and be like, how am I responsible for this? What can I do to change, to become a better father, to become a better person, to become a better entrepreneur? And I started studying Buddhism and this concept of mindfulness just really clicked with me. And now the funny thing is like, I used to be like, you know, I just understood mindfulness right away and was able to become mindful of my thoughts and to okay. control my thoughts. But, you know, that's kind of like, I got it all figured out. I don't need to meditate, right? But nowadays, lately, I'm realizing that it's very challenging for me to stop my thoughts and I do not sleep well. It takes me a long time to fall asleep because my, my mind is just racing. So that being said, I'm constantly like learning and realizing like I actually do need to practice mindfulness more so I can better control my thoughts as far as turning them off goes. But nonetheless, mindfulness is this idea that you're present in the moment fully aware, uh, non-judgmental. Non and so if you can, and you practice mindfulness by meditating, walking meditation, becoming aware of your breath, it's kind of like a baseball player before they go up to bat, they're swinging the bat with the weights on it, right? So when you're sitting down practicing meditation, you're that's like swinging the bat with the weight. You're practicing, you're trying to strengthen your ability to be present in the moment and not allow your thoughts to race or not allow your thoughts to take control. You're the master of your thoughts. And that's really what it, it, it's all about. So if you have that awareness of your thought patterns, 
you can interrupt those thought patterns when they're not serving you. And you can literally recognize like, wait a second, why, why am I thinking, why am I saying that to myself? That sounds like something that the kids in high school used to bully me about, or that sounds like my dad or my mom when they would, when they would give me a hard time about this, that, or the other. And so you can recognize it and you can say, I'm just going to wash those thoughts away. Better yet, I'm going to flip the script and I'm going to lift myself up. There's no reason why we shouldn't be our best cheerleader instead of our worst enemy. And we all have control over that inside of us. And it's made a world of difference in the quality of life that I enjoy and the parent and the partner and the husband and the entrepreneur that I am. And that's a, uh, that's an ongoing battle. I can imagine probably gets better with time, but, um, I'd be, I, I'm assuming, you know, I know personally that old habits die hard sometimes and th those thoughts slide back in. So is it kind of a constant killing it or a constant flipping the script? You know, to be honest, I, and I'm not going to say it's perfect, but I've really managed to recognize those thoughts almost immediately and just nice. completely wash them away. And a big struggle as a, as a father, head of household, and as a head of a, a business, multiple businesses, really. And we have like 15 to 17 people that are working directly for me full time or contractors that work for me substantially. I like to say work with me. Sure. Um, yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of money that comes into our, our business empire and there's a lot of money that goes out. And so yes. one of the things that I'm constantly aware of is the abundance versus the scarcity thing, because I learned in business when you, when you have scared, when you're afraid and you're living in fear and you're yes. living in scarcity, and you have those thoughts, those thoughts lead to your actions and those actions then lead to more scarcity. Perfect example, right? I'm sipping on some Kratom right now. Uh, this is a business I've operated since 2016. So I guess that's six or seven years now. And when it comes, to, so we buy bulk Kratom. Kratom is a powderized leaf of a Kratom evergreen tree that's grown primarily in Southeast Asia. And so we import it from Indonesia. And there was a time when you know the budget was real tight. There wasn't a lot of money in the bank. Rents come and due on the office, or I got to pay the one staff person I had back in the day. And I'm like, you know, we got to reorder these strains, but I, I, I think I can only afford to order 20 or 30 kilos, right? And so when you pay, when you only buy 20 or 30, not only is, do you pay more per kilo, but then you have less inventory to meet your customer's demand. And so because of that scarcity, I better just order a small amount because I need to keep some money in the checking account in case something happens or to pay for this or that. Then all of a sudden you manifest more scarcity because you sell through that new Kratom you bought. And now you have to contact the client and say, I'm sorry, we only have the red relaxation. We don't have the white lightning in stock. Is it okay if we ship you the red and then we'll ship you the, red, uh, the white as soon as we get it? And this creates all sorts of struggle, diversion of your attention. And so I realized, started to realize like, wow, I'm just digging myself a hole here by being small. So I started ordering a hundred kilos at a time. You get the price cut and then you have more and then it creates a new problem for yourself, right? And Grant Cardone, whom I'm a big student of, he says, you want to give yourself more problems. So now it's like, well, we actually do need the money, but now we have a ton of inventory. So how about I light a fire under my rear end and sell through that inventory as fast as I can so I can liquidate it in the capital, buy more, Anyway, it was this ongoing struggle for a while. But when I kind of realized like, Eureka, I need to step into a space of abundance and just order more every time. That was something that helped to catapult uh, that business. So now I have, and it wasn't without a lot of hard work, but now anytime one of those limiting beliefs, like maybe we shouldn't spend $2,500 on this, or maybe we shouldn't sponsor this event. 
Mm -hmm. I'm just like, you know what? Screw it. The money needs to be spent. It's losing value anyway. We're trying to grow into a gigantic business. So I'm going to lean into that space of abundance. And it becomes this great multiplier effect where it's just like exponentially all the wins and the abundance and the success mindset. It all just builds on itself. And pretty soon you got a freaking rocket ship catapulting into outer space. So going from the poverty to the abundance mindset, there, there's a lot of, um, I like to call it, I guess, investment there. So you, you have to spend, <laughs> you have to spend to earn or spend to make, right? Because like, as you said, the less, the less you spend, the less you could make. And when you change that mindset, so how does one, where does one start investing in themselves and investing in the business? Where do you, where do you find that? And how do you, how do you kind of get that rocket ship off the ground? Cause that's the hardest part, right? Is that first what, you know, breaking gravity and, and, and overcoming uh, inertia or whatever. Yeah, yeah, sure. And then you start to build momentum, but that initial right. liftoff is, is a struggle, especially if you haven't lifted off before. So, you know, and I'm glad that you bring it up. It, it's really critical to invest in yourself. You know, when you invest in yourself, as in buying some, you know, fresh outfit, so you look sharp for the business meeting, for example, or purchasing the online course or joining the mastermind, it it kind of signals to yourself that you you believe in yourself, you value yourself so much that you're willing to invest in yourself. And so I talk a lot about, you know, wealth and abundance and what to do with money, especially mm -hmm. now with the banking crisis stuff and the inflation that we are experiencing. And, and most recently, it was even worse. Um, and so the number one thing anyone should invest in, no matter where they're at, is investing in yourself. And this is especially the case of somebody struggling financially. This also mm -hmm. comes up when I'm teaching people about Bitcoin. And in all honesty, for folks that can't pay their bills, I don't think you have any business investing in Bitcoin. You should purchase and acquire Bitcoin or Monero and learn to use it in commerce so we can circumvent this CBDC system. But as far as stacking sats and starting to build wealth through Bitcoin, the first you should avoid all that until you can at least get your house in order. And in order to put yourself in a financial position to do that, you should invest in yourself. Um, I started sinking a lot of money in trainings and workshops and going to events. I love going to big conferences and events and stuff. And yes. It's so pumped up and it's like a just lights a fire under your rear. But I, I tallied it up for 2022. And like I, I literally invested over $20,000 in myself and my team to be trained and to be lifted up. And, you know, many times making that commitment for two years with Cardone University, it's $750 a month. Like that was a giant stretch for me and it made me feel very uncomfortable. But I knew yeah. that like investing in that, it's going to force those that pay, pay attention. Yes. So in my online training and stuff, we'll do a webinar and a very small percentage of the people that pay that sign up for free for the webinar show up. But the people that pay ninety seven dollars for the VIP pass, you know, they're going to show up or the people that ultimately purchase the two or four hundred dollar workshop. They're going to show up and consume yes. material. So I would highly encourage people to invest in themselves. It's a great a great place to start. Figure out where it is that you want to go first. That's the first step. The first step is to make a commitment to improve yourself and to be to be more successful and to start that side hustle. You got to commit. I'm doing this no matter how hard it is. I know I'm going to be able to overcome the challenges because I believe in myself and I have a support group. That's the cool thing about your community, Nicole's, Jack's community. Like everybody's just there to help one another. It's a beautiful. Yeah. Thing. And so you commit to yourself and then you're like, well, what do I want in life? 
everything should be a means to an end, right? Like making money isn't the end in itself. You, you make money so you can have amazing experiences, so you can yes. leave a legacy to your children, um, so you can protect yourself, so you can support your community. And so like, what, what do I want in life? What is my ideal life? Picture it, be real clear on it. And then you start asking yourself, okay, what do I need to do today to set myself up to get there in the future? And what skills do I need to have in order to accelerate that path? So that's where I would start. And then once you have that answer, try to find ways to support uh, and grow and learn in that space. Dude, I think anyway, not that I'd put myself even close to your level, but I think you've been sneaking a peek at my notes for my uh, living free in Tennessee presentation because All right. that, that is awesome. We're all, I love it. So you talk about support and systems and that sort of thing. And, you know, um, how important is it to have uh, a supportive partner in building something incredible? It makes a world of difference. I mean, when I say your network is your net worth. So if you're hanging out with people that are always, oh, my apologies. If you're hanging That's out with people right. that are always drinking booze and complaining. There's so many <laughs> complainers in our community. I mean, it's easy <laughs> to complain because yeah. there's a lot of terrible stuff going on in the world. But ultimately, where your attention goes, your energy flows. And I've noticed it's a world of difference, the quality of life and the amount of complaining that people experience. Uh, you know, the people that are spending most of their time behind the computer, watching documentaries, spending <laughs> yeah. on Rumble or whatever, compared to the folks that are getting stuff done, getting their hands dirty, going to build, you know, the food forest or going to the workshop or whatever. You could tell it's a just a different perspective and a different quality of life because they're spending time doing things. And so if you have people in your life that resist you, one of the things too is if, as you start to like tap into this space of self-development and growth and you start to take off on that rocket ship, there may be people in your life that begin to resent you because they're mm -hmm. stagnant. They're operating from this negative scarce frequency and as you start to lift yourself up they may resent you and try to pull you back down so you know i'm not i think family is everything my 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 personal family and you know my immediate family and extended family but at the end of the day even family may hold you back sometimes and sometimes it's okay to love someone from a distance uh and you know of course people have lots invested in relationships so it's absolutely critical when you're choosing a partner to find somebody that helps to lift you up, isn't going to hold you down or uh, increase doubt. They're not going to help you to doubt yeah. yourself. And, you know, I don't tell anybody to leave their spouse or anything because, you know, there's a lot that's invested there. But ultimately, if, if there is challenges, you got to get real. You got to learn how to communicate about that stuff and try to bring them along with your goals and dreams. And you're in a good place now. I, I see the. I, I, yeah, I like, I, anyway, I, I appreciate it. I love everything I see you post, man. It makes me smile. So um, I want to talk about your influences in a minute, but I, I, so a couple of years ago, I don't know how I, I stumbled across one of your posts on Facebook and it was when Elon was opening a, what was it in, in Dallas or something? And you were trying to get invited to, yeah. So I, I fucking love that, man. Like I, that made me smile because I'm, to me, you put yourself out there. You wanted something. You asked for it. I'm thinking you didn't get to go, right? We didn't get to go. I was about to go, but then I, I was following reports of people that were trying to kind of like sneak in or yeah. just go anyway. 
and like the security was extremely tight. So no, I didn't get to go, but we did watch the live stream. But I, what I loved about it was it didn't matter if you got to go or not. You put it out there and people, people were shitting on you. They're like, oh, don't do that, John. That's stupid. They're going to kick you out there. Whatever. You wanted something. You mentioned it. And I try to use this. You verbalize it. You, you put it out there and make it real, you know, and um, <laughs> uh, Gary V. Is it Gary V. that says he's going to own the New York Jet someday? Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, you know what? You might not have got there that minute, but. I'll bet you at some point you'll have a sit down with Elon Musk and it'll happen, right? <laughs> if you want it. So yeah, I don't know do do. Elon Musk. I get crap all the time for being a fanboy of Elon. And I drive a Tesla and we have Tesla power walls and we're waiting on our damn Starlink. I guess he's so damn busy with Twitter and everything. But, I, you know, I'm a I'm a big fan. And, and part of the reason why, and of course, I know he's not a perfect anarchist. Whatever. Contracts with the Department of Defense. But the guy inspires me because he thinks big. People are like bickering about their internal conflict and some stupid drama. And meanwhile, this guy's like, it's my goal to make humankind a multi-planetary species. So if something <laughs> happens here on Earth, it doesn't dis uh, extinguish the light of human consciousness. And that's like, oh, like, wow. And not only is it some big ambitious goal, anyone can have some crazy wild eyed dreams. But now you see like, wow, he's actually building star bases and starships and he innovated a reusable rocket, which not even Nat, not a NASA, some big thing to, to aspire to. But nobody could do that. He invented that so as to increase the likelihood of achieving his big goal and his dream. So big fan of his. And, and I really wanted to go to Giga, Texas is the factory in Austin, Giga, Texas, every time I would drive past it too, because we used to live in a tiny home right down the road while they were building it, just the sheer scale of this massive factory. And then you take into account, like, this is just one piece of this giant company that isn't very old. It's the most valuable car manufacturer in the world. And they don't even have the revenue compared to GM, GM and all these other car companies. And it's just like, it's just so big and grand. It gets me really fired up and fueled up. And so, yeah, I was willing to do whatever it took to get there in large part to show my kids. My kids are big fans of Elon, too. And they love that's one thing. People give me a hard time about driving a test. What are they going to shut it down? I don't think Elon's going to shut the car down because he cares what about if, what if. success yeah, of his right. company. But you know what? What gets the, the people that complain or give me a hard time about driving a Tesla don't see how much it lights my kids up to drive that freaking thing and to floor it and to go from zero to 60 in 2.8 seconds. You know, it's like, wow, this is fun. But anyway, um, I'm glad that you brought this up now because I still haven't visited Giga Texas and I still intend to visit Giga Texas. And on one of these properties that we purchase and develop here in central Texas, as part of our real estate investment fund, we're launching soon. Um, I want to install a mega pack. So we have three Tesla power walls. They'll store 40 okay. kilowatt hours of electricity, which is really cool. That'll service our house at least for a couple of days if there's no sun to, you know, to power the house. Um, he has this thing called a mega pack. I don't know how many kilowatt hours those store, but I'd love to <laughs> Sounds have. Cool. Yeah. So here in Central Texas, he's here in Bastrop County, too, with uh, the Boring Company and stuff. So I'd love to install one of those mega packs, have a big grand opening and invite old Elon to come schmooze with us. So I, okay, I, I'm going to, yeah. so my, my Elon is Mike Rowe. So I continue. Hey, make, oh, we wow. wanted to get him at the greater, we wanted to have him speak at the Exit and Build Land Summit. We weren't able to get a hold of him, but yeah, he's a total badass, that guy. Go ahead. Sorry. 
No, 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 I don't. This is not about me. I just, so I've been turned down three or four times so far by his people, but I continue to verbalize it just like this, just like you did with Elon, because at some point, and I keep reaching out and trying different things, the right connection will be made. And that's all that it takes, right? And uh, so, yeah, you'll absolutely have that mega pack, man. That's friggin' awesome. I love it. Let's go. Um, who is okay? You talked about Elon, um, Grant Cardone. Who who else? I, I know there's one that you really like, but I didn't want to spoil it. So, who 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 are all your mentors or the people that you've looked up to over time that you've allowed yourself to invest in yourself through them? So I'm a big student of marketing, sales and marketing. Uh, if anybody's on my email list and stuff, you'll see we're very uh, persistent with emails and sales funnels and upsells and language and urgency and scarcity. And so I've learned a great deal from Russell Brunson. He's <laughs> a young guy that does click funnels. He's got this awesome book. If anybody's starting a business or already running a business and they want to enhance their ability to sell things online, I highly recommend this book called Dotcom Secrets. But I've learned a lot from this guy, Russell Brunson. I've gone to his Funnel Hacking Live conference, which is like 5,000 people. Gigantic. It's like a giant party. They have, you know, you walk in, there's like techno music blaring. They're shooting smoke out into the sky with lasers and waves. And it's like, wow, this is a huge production. And it like makes you feel like pumped up. It helps to crack you open to experience the growth that you need and to get your medicine. And it's something I learned in doing, you know, our freedom events. Like I want to have blaring music when people come in and like get people up out of their chair, dancing around and stuff. I'm a big fan of Russell Brunson. And then through Russell Brunson, I learned about Dan Kennedy. He's one of Russell Brunson's mentors. And so Dan Kennedy's like OG direct mail. Uh, me and my wife are watching Mad Men right now. Absolutely loving oh. it. But Kennedy's got like this old school advertising copy guide mentality. He's very, he has a book series called the No BS Stuff, No BS Guides, No BS Guides to Marketing to Leading Edge Boomers and Seniors, No BS uh, Copywriting, No BS um, Management of People and Profits, the whole series. But he's very like straight, he's a straight shooter, which I appreciate. He's kind of like Spearco. You know, Spearco's sure. Spearco brand is like kind of being abrasive and like what you see is what you get. And if you don't like it, you can beat it, you know? He's like <laughs> yeah. that. Like, he's just telling you like it is. And sometimes it, he they call him the professor of harsh reality. So for business success and especially marketing, I'm a big fan of this Dan Kennedy guy. Those are the folks that I've been obsessing over lately. Was Dan Kennedy... Okay, okay. I'm going to tell you a quick little story that... Uh, so... We have a mutual friend, of course, Nicole, mm -hmm. and we were having a conference call a while ago. And she said, you need to read this book, Tim. She said, you need to read Dotcom Secrets. John told me about it. <laughs> so you, you kind of evangelized her into that book and then yeah. came along to me. Was Dan Kennedy, was it Russell Brunson who started when he was a teenager sending direct mail that he saw in magazines? Was that him mm -hmm. or am I? Yeah. Yeah, that's Brunson. And was that inspired by Kennedy? Is that was it Kennedy that was doing that, or do I have that a little backwards? I don't know that he knew. He, he didn't find out about Kennedy immediately, but he found out about him at a very young age. He, okay. he was like a kid, and he saw an infomercial on that TV, was it. and the infomercial was how yes. to put classified ads in newspapers. And so he convinced his dad. His dad said no, he wouldn't do it. So he like did some yard work or whatever, and, and invested the money, invested it himself, and he got the stuff. Um, but he was like Russell Brunson's an early internet pioneer. 
And he definitely uses direct mail. We use direct mail too. People are shocked by it. They're like, you sent me a freaking letter? In fact, <laughs> for the Greater Reset, I wrote a letter as though I was Klaus Schwab. And it was like, you better not go to the Great Reset. Those clowns, John Bush and Derek Bros are trying to undermine my plans. And like, so you get the letter and on the little clear thing, it says Klaus Schwab World Economic Forum. Of course, it was our return address, but uh, yeah, direct mail solid and, and Russell Brunson got started real early. And so he was able to see this and help to push the evolution of internet marketing. And definitely, if you haven't read the book, you definitely need to dive into it, read it twice, two or three times. It's very powerful push, material. Yeah. What about Tony Robbins? Tony Robbins was the earliest guy that, uh, so back when I was still uh, married to my ex-wife, uh, had a lot of struggles and it was Tony Robbins that helped me. Tony Robbins was the first influence as far as this whole self-improvement journey and, you know, the state change and controlling your thoughts and just that energy that he brings to the table was a, a very influential. I used to listen to his videos on YouTube driving and sometimes there'd be like such a profound thing. I'd have to pull over and just kind of like, whoa, and rewind it and just take a sec to really internalize what was just communicated. And then I had the the honor of uh, watching Tony Robbins live at one of Russell Brunson's events. And oh, he, okay. he went for like five hours. It was a five hour session with him Ooh. just crashing everything down and which was pretty cool. He started it off like, it's so good to see so many people's faces not wearing those silly masks. And then he proceeded yeah, to rail against mas masks and vaccines for 10 minutes, which I thought was pretty cool. But yeah, I'm a big Tony Robbins guy. It's important for people to have a guy or a girl that helps them, you know, to emulate. That's the whole uh, think and grow rich Napoleon Hill. He was tasked by Dale, Car by Car Andrew Carnegie to go learn what it takes to be successful. So we started studying the greats and all the big pioneers and all of the quote unquote robber barons. And he found some very common habits and characteristics. And so it's one great way to catapult your success is to emulate those that are already successful and do what they do. So you're a reader or a, maybe more a listener. Do you do, you do audio books or regular, how, how do you consume some of this stuff or do you? I do both. So okay. I just, pound books all the time. Uh, when I wake up before I go to bed, I listen to the audio book when I'm in the shower or when I'm in the car. And when I find a really, really good book that has a profound impact on me, I'll read it two or three times and listen to it two or three times as well. So uh, definitely constantly um, sharpening the saw as Stephen Covey puts it. That's another <laughs> influence. Stephen Covey's seven habits of highly effective people. I read uh, a bit of Covey and a lot of Maxwell in university, uh, yeah. in some of the leadership courses. So, sure. What books? Uh, so, what are the ones that have really changed you? What, if, 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 I mean, you don't have to just give me five, but I mean, if, if it was like, hey, I'm on a desert island, I get five leadership books to friggin' uh, build build a business to nobody. But you know what I'm saying? What would be the books that you would absolutely say have either changed your life or would change other people's lives? Uh, I would definitely, I'm popping this in your chat here on YouTube. I would definitely do uh, 10X Rule by Grant Cardone. Okay. Yeah, Grant Cardone is, you know, like my wife was very turned off by him at first because he's very abrasive. So is Tony Robbins. Like Tony Robbins deliberately cusses to snap people out of their program and to like open them up to receiving yeah. new information. And so it's a wonderful rhetorical device for people to use. But Grant Cardone's very abrasive, another straight shooter type. Um, and he 
I think probably him above everyone else has helped me to think bigger and to, to reach success. And so like, we're all Cardone junkies here at the office and we're just thinking on a whole nother level. Like I'll do, you know, affiliate partnerships or some sort of joint venture with some people. And like, I get anxious if we're not in control of the follow-up process, because here with Live Free Academy, you know, if somebody reaches out to us and expresses interest, we're going to follow them up via phone, sale, uh, sales call, text message. And if they're like wanting to buy, we're going to make sure we give them the opportunity to buy. And that's mm -hmm. one of the things that I've learned really through Cardone is like, you don't leave any money on the table. You go follow up and you do business with people if they're interested. And it's just gotten me to think a lot bigger about what the company can be. And so the whole 10x rule is to 10x your thinking, 10x your goals, 10x your understanding of how much work it's actually going to take to get stuff done. Yep. Um, and you know, the whole 10x of 10x into the goals is just huge. And I always point this out. So, like, let's say somebody's making sixty thousand dollars a year. And they're like, I, I need to make more money. I'm not satisfied. I know, I, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make 10% more money this year. I'm gonna instead of sixty thousand, I'm gonna bring in sixty six thousand. It's like, okay, sure, that would be, that'd be great. You know, maybe you could pay off some debt, or you go out to eat with the wife a little bit more often. But is it really going to motivate you to take the action necessary to lead your best life and to reach somewhere near your potential? Let's say that you 10x that goal. And you're just like, all right, you know what? I'm instead of making sixty thousand, I'm going to work towards making six hundred thousand. And so, right out of right off the bat, a lot of people that are just having a mediocre income, a modest income, or like six hundred thousand—that's absolutely ridiculous. How yep. could I possibly do that? Why would I even want that much money? Right? Well, you, whenever you have this big, giant, sexy goal, it helps you whenever you're struggling. In, as an entrepreneur, I mean, there's times when everybody's left the office and I'm still here at nine or 10 because I have some critical task I got to get done. And I'm just like, what am I doing? I wish I wasn't here. You know, like I shouldn't be doing this right now. Ultimately, my lesson is like, I need to hire more people because somebody else could be doing this task and I could be watching Mad Men with the wife. But it's like in those moments when I'm like, gosh, I feel like giving up. It's the sexy, ambitious goals that I have that allow me to push through that resistance and that mm. friction. And so the cool thing about having a big ambitious goals is it motivates you. It fuels your fire going from 60 to 66,000. Isn't much of a change in your life or your lifestyle going from 60,000 to 600,000. Wow. Now all of a sudden you could take care of your parents if they didn't prepare themselves properly for retirement. Now you can support your community. Now you can have that dream house. Now you can purchase the luxury RV and show your kids North America. You know, it just makes a big world of difference. And then here's the thing too. Let's say you shoot for the stars and the goal is 600K, but in a matter of two or three years, you haven't reached that goal. You only you only got 50% of the goal. Now right. 300,000, you know, it's still not such a bad thing. So that's one of the things that I've learned from, from Uncle G. And he's a sales uh, a mar a master as well, just how to communicate with people. So I definitely do the 10X rule. And then seven habits of highly effective people had a big impact on me. And that's one that I've revisited uh, from time to time. That's from Stephen Covey. And perhaps one of the most important ones there was the to begin with the end in mind. Yeah, okay. where it is that you're going. A lot of people don't even know where they want to go. And that's whenever you don't have a destination in mind or an ideal life or goals, it makes it easier for you to be taken for a ride by the whims of the politicians and the latest yeah. phrase and the freedom conspiracy movement. You're just like a ping pong ball, just like ping, 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 because you don't know where you're going. 
But if you right. know where you're going, you can set your sight on that goal and that destination. And you can be like a horse with blinders on. It's like all this stuff's going on out here and out here. It's irrelevant to you because you are just so laser focused on your goal. You begin with the end in mind. And then another big one of the seven habits is uh, putting first things first. So focusing yeah. on that, which is important, that which will drive you closer to your goal, but making time to implement the non-urgent important things. So much of our time is spent on the urgent important things, putting out fires, dealing with the next crisis. We don't actually have the time to sit down and build something that is capable of bringing us into a space of greater prosperity. So those are a couple of the big lessons from seven habits of highly effective people. He was, um, he was really the first. So I grew up in an, an evangelical background and uh, right. in a in a um, a church that was very business oriented. So they they very much, you know, like John Maxwell was a, I guess, a Wesleyan that came out of the Wesleyan church. So and he was very effect, affected by Stephen Covey as well, who happened to be a Mormon for whatever reason, doesn't matter. But Stephen Covey was definitely a trailblazer in this kind of stuff. You know, other than, you know, you think back to maybe Dale Carnegie, how to win friends, influence people, that kind of stuff. But kind of the modern mindset, I think Covey was probably the guy, hey? Yeah. Yeah. He was one of those early pioneers kind of transitioning and paving a new method of self-development. That's another great book, by the way, too, How to Win Friends and Influence People. That's one of the that's one of the first ones that I got into in my early political activism days. And I used to buy copies at the used bookstore and give them yes. to my inner circle so they could be effective in their communication as well. And that's, that's a lot like, um, think rich or, you know, um, just a tiny book that I, I mean, how to win friends and influence people is not a very big book, but it is absolutely full of, and, and it's, yeah, it's hard. Cause it's not about, um, you know, twisting people or manipulating them. It's about being the type of person and knowing what you want and getting it. And, oh yeah, it's pretty cool. So what are you reading right now? Uh, right now, I'm reading No BS Guide to Time Management by Ooh. Dan Kennedy. Okay. And I just finished the No BS Management of Ruthless People and Profits. And then I'm also, I'm a, I'm a Diamond member from Kennedy's thing. Um, that's like $297 a month. Like I shell out thousand, oh, a thousand plus every month on self-development stuff kind of nuts, but it's an investment. It's not an expense. It's an investment in me and my future. And so, uh, yeah, the time management thing is really critical. And I'm trying to, I try to keep my door closed to my office whenever uh, I'm trying to lean in because I'm already battling my own distractions and my yep. struggle to, to pay attention. And so uh, whenever there's other people that I got to do battle with too, is a big struggle. So he calls them energy or time vampires to you got to slay the time vampire, be very um, controlling of your time and be very adamant about what you spend your time on because it makes a world of difference. And then his ruthless management of people and profits. Again, this is Dan Kennedy. He's got this whole no BS series. Okay. Um, that one's a pretty good one, too. It's a little harsh. And it's like one thing that I realized on that one is I have, you know, I have this business, Bray Botanicals. And yep because live free academy was so successful immediately and literally like the first month that i launched brave Botan uh, live free academy it outpaced the revenue of brave botanicals for a whole year <laughs> and i was like whoa why didn't i do this sooner but uh you know i kind of have neglected that business but it was the business that you know got me on my feet and um 
one thing, you know, I kept it around and was like, you know, I, there's a couple staff people with that company and I have this loyal client base that support me and I provide this amazing high quality product and I'm kind of like keeping the company going for them. But one of the things Kennedy says is like the number one reason, the only reason why you should operate a company is to make the owner of the company filthy rich. And for me, that was kind of like, whoa, it was a big eye opener. And I realized like I need I need to make this company more successful. It needs to create more cash flow for me, for my family. So that was a big eye opener for me. Have I, I, I see a little bit of this mindset and it's kind of a, a polarizing book. But have you ever read Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand? I haven't. I, I want to, though. I want because to. Your philosophy. So I'm reading it right now presently for the first time. And I mean, yeah. as you know, a fellow voluntarist, I, it, there's a lot of that mindset in there. And of course, there's lots of people who hate the book, but it is absolutely life changing. And it's not one, at least that I found that I could absolutely binge because it's it is thick and deep. And but a lot of what you're preaching and talking about is right out of the philosophy of Rand. It's it's neat. I, I Yeah. So if you ever find time, it's a 64 hour audiobook. So it's not a, it's not a light read, but that's a commitment. Yeah. I think I'm going to pick that up because I have been, um, my latest binge, my latest thing is to master my mind even more so I can turn it off at night. And so I'll like come yeah. home work and work till seven or eight. And then even while, you know, we'll have dinner and then watch a show, I'm still messing around on my phone. And then right uh, before I lay to bed, I read and I'm reading a marketing book. So as I fall asleep, I'm, my mind's my mind's racing about how I can tweak the offer to be more effective. And so I've been wanting to pick up some fiction. So cool thing about Atlas Shrugs, I bet I could t kill two birds with one stone, yeah. hone in on the libertarian philosophy and success thing, and then also enjoy some storytelling. So uh, whenever we wrap up here, I'm actually going to buy a copy of that. Sure. So, okay. Um, go back to, you know, John Bush when, um, I mean, I guess, you know, you, you mentioned some of the hard times. So when, when you were leaving the apartment and going into the bus, what do you think that John Bush would have thought about the fact that you spend over a thousand dollars a month on personal improvement investment now? Man, I don't know. I feel a little emotional thinking about that. I, uh, sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. That's good. That's good stuff. I always, you know, I always knew that I would, you know, find financial success. It was just, and I never let that go, even in the struggle. And, and, you know, the irony is like, I would communicate that to my family back then. Like, don't just trust me, everybody. We're going to make it through. We're going to, we're going to have this great life and we're going to be able to do whatever we want. Uh, I've always wanted to have a private jet and I'm still, I, I'm going to have a private jet to visit all the different developments all across uh, the, the U.S., maybe Mexico too. Um, and so I always knew it, but my mind wasn't in the right place because I was coming from a place of fear and I wanted to have success so I could avoid the pain and the struggle. But now, and I think one of the biggest differences in then and now, because I was putting in the hours, I was listening to the Tony Robbins and doing the work and, and like breaking my back as an entrepreneur, but it wasn't clicking. And a large part of it was because I was focused on avoiding pain and struggle. But now I'm like, my sight is set on the private jet and uh, going on a, like we're going on a cruise with my kids. I've never been on a cruise before and it's pretty damn expensive, but it's like, wow, we're going on a cruise in oh. July. This is something I've never done. And here we are. And this is the lifestyle that I want. And so I'm focused on that kind of stuff. And again, where your attention goes, energy flows. So even though I was working hard, I was in this energetic space of fear and doubt. 
uh, and trying to avoid the pain. And I ended up only manifesting more pain. And I tell you what, like you asked earlier about the partner, the person that you have in your life, the, the, my wife now just completely lifts me up and is such a blessing. She's so amazing with the kids and she's so supportive and loving. So to have that now in my life only, it, it like radically increases the chances of momentum and overcoming hardship. Um, so it makes a world of difference. But I, I, I guess back then I, I knew that I didn't think it would come so soon, I guess. And it's not, you know, it's an ongoing journey, of course. And it's not like I've reached some plateau and I'm, I'm done. Um, but I appreciate the question. I, I didn't think that I, I, I don't know. It, it's uh, something to think about. I, oh. I never, it was always, it's weird. Cause like back then it was like 25 bucks or a hundred bucks. Or I know, John, I know, like, you know, it's like, Oh, how could I spend this? I shouldn't spend this. I need to hold on and conserve. And now yeah. it's just shelling out, like paying 16,500 bucks to rent the Bastrop convention center for the <laughs> land summit, you know, and the land and all these $5,000 sponsorships and all this crazy stuff. It's, it's a different, uh, different perspective, but it just goes to show you just got to keep working at it. Cause like I said, I've been self-employed since 2009 and most of that time was total struggle. And people see brave botanicals and live free Academy. They don't see all the failed businesses, the graveyard of failed, businesses and organizations that John started or was a part of definitely exceeds the number of successful businesses, but I kept at it and I persisted and I sure am glad that I did. That, you know what? Um, I got one more question for you. Um, so it's not one I ask everybody, but you kind of leaned into it. So what was the worst day in business you ever had that day? I call it the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. The day that you were ready to pack it all in, or whatever. It doesn't matter. And it could be, you know, um, just one. It doesn't have to be the worst, but one of those, because the reason I ask this is because there are a ton of entrepreneurs listening and, and they, you know, everybody and lots of people say, oh, it must be nice. Or they see that, that, you know, the private jet or the trip to Europe or whatever it happens to be, but yeah. they don't see that horrible, shitty, very good, or very awful day. Did you have one? Uh, I had an awful like week period, so week long period. Although I was weak, also, um, I used to operate this underground bookstore called Brave New Books, and we sold uh, conspiratorial, libertarian, anarchist books, and we also sold natural health products. In fact, that's where I discovered kratom and started selling sure. kratom. And so it was also a hub for the community, and it had been around since two thousand five, I believe, two thousand five, two thousand seven, or so. And so uh, my wife and I took it over and operated it from 2015 to 2017. And this was also part of this period of struggle. And I learned a lot of lessons. And unfortunately, you know, I was using the business to help support my family and we weren't adequately repurchasing the products, holding back the cost of goods sold in order to purchase more products so we could keep the cash flow going. Um, and we fell behind on rent a couple of times as well we discovered Kratom and started selling Kratom in addition to everything else. And things started taking off, but the damage had already been done. The landlord had somebody uh, come offer to sign a long lease and do like a church group down there. We were kind of a pain in the ass as a tenant. <laughs> so they ended up not renewing the lease. And so at the same time, I learned that we're going to have to find a new space for this business. This dream location that everybody loves and adores is no longer going to be available to us. I learned that my ex-wife wanted to separate and to kick me out of the home. And then I learned that the previous owner of the business was suing me. This all happened in the same period. And then on top of that, 
a good chunk of our community blamed me for the company's failures. And I take responsibility for the role that I played. But, but at, the, at the end of the day, in the age of Amazon's growth, it was very challenging to run a bookstore. And there was all sorts of factors at play. And so I had all these people blaming me for destroying this wonderful space that we had, posting memes and coming after me online. So all that happened at the same time. And, as a, and I moved back in with my parents for three months. And it's like this was in 2017. So it wasn't that long ago. Right. Um, it was it was rough. It was hard. And so I was able to push through. You never really fail until you give up. And I didn't give up. And rather, I learned some extremely valuable lessons about people, about relationships, about business and about myself that have I've kept with me and they've helped carry me forward to this day. I had a lady on just a little while ago that hiked the Appalachian Trail and her best piece of advice was, and this is coming from a lady who fell into a rattlesnake den and got trench foot. And she said, never give up on a bad day. And uh, that to me sums up what you did because six years later, you're talking about a frigging private jet. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. John, thank you, man. Um, how do people find you? Well, you? Plug the hell out all, you know what I mean? Make sure people know where to get you. Okay, yeah. Um, I'd love for folks to come join us in person for the Exit and Build Land Summit. It's coming up. This will be the third edition. It's coming up May 18th through the 22nd. You can yep. join us in person in Bastrop, Texas. We're going to have 450 people there. Uh, we're going to hear, uh, we managed to book Jeff Lawton. He can't fly in, unfortunately, but he's going to do a two-hour virtual workshop for the attendees. Uh, we also have Michael Reynolds, the Earthship guy. Of course, Jack oh, wow. Spierko and Nicole Sauce are going to be there. Uh, really excited. We got um, uh, Patrick Wood. He's an expert on technocracy. He's going to teach us about what's happening in the cities and why the heck we should get the heck out of there. So it's going to be a wonderful event. People can also sign up for free to watch the first day and a half online for free. Or you could get a virtual immersion pass and watch the whole thing uh, live stream through a Zoom room. You'll be able to ask questions. We pull you up there on the screen. It's very immersive. Um, and people can and can check out. I think I, we got you some links for that. So maybe you can I'm share I'm an affiliate that. now. So thank you. Yes. Yeah. So hopefully people can come to that. It's all about permaculture, homesteading, land development, and building community together. And the events are really, really fun and extremely inspiring and empowering. So one of the things that sets us apart, it's not just about the mechanics, how to do all this, which is great. And that's definitely there. But the whole design is the whole event is deliberately designed to crack you open and help you overcome any obstacles that are in the way of you becoming uh, more self-reliant, buying the big piece of land, buying land cooperatively or whatever it may be. The event is geared towards self-development and overcoming obstacles. The hardest part about interviewing uh, someone like you, John, is that there's a thousand different directions I want to take this. You know, I'd love to talk to you sometime about electric vehicles and off-grid and intentional community and crypto some more. So if you're up for it, I'd love to have you back someday because this yeah, was, I'm down. I really appreciate it. So let's roll. Thank you. Um, if you, Can you hang in the background for 30 seconds while I close up? Sure. Yep. Okay. Thanks, man. Thanks. Guys, I hope you appreciated that. This was a masterclass in not giving up. Uh, John's an incredible dude. I've been wanting to have this sit down for a while. So show him the workshop love. Go and follow everything that John does, but just check out what he has, guys, and take to heart those words because that's a man who's living by what he does. So with that, guys, as always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week.